0: Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. This episode of the Bears Talk Underground is brought to you by my bookie. It's not every day you can double your money, but with MyBookie, you double your money instantly thanks to their double deposit bonus for all new users. With MyBookie's double deposit bonus, when you sign up at MyBookie.ag and use the promo code SPORTSDRINK, you'll instantly receive double your initial deposit so you can kickstart your betting experience with all the best games, leagues, and casino options to choose from. The Patriots are taking on the Bills this Monday night as they continue their quest to reclaim the AFC East title. Buffalo has looked like a legit Super Bowl contender. However, look for them to cover the spread. Set yourself up for success by doubling your first deposit when using the promo code SPORTSDRINK at MyBookie. That's promo code SPORTSDRINK to double your initial deposit all the way up to $1,000. Bet anything, anywhere, anytime, with my booking, what's up guys back once again after our own little mini buy if you will and uh ready to get back at it again we'll dive in head first with our uh interview with jess root from the rise up sea red podcast and CarsWire uh from usa today uh my first guest that i ever had on the show when i started doing uh interviews on uh on a weekly basis back in 2015 and um You know, it's uh, nice to always have him back on the show. Uh, We had him back on in 2018, the last time we played the Cardinals. Uh, Both teams were in a very different place at that time, and here we are in opposite places this time around again. The Cardinals are the great team. The Bears are the struggling uh, franchise, uh, you know, trying to dig themselves out of a hole kind of thing. So, um, you know, we'll, uh, we'll see how the game unfolds on Sunday, though I can't. I confess that you know when I talk to Jess, I just uh, I, I I'm just critical uh, of the team. I, I, I really, honestly, guys, I really have no faith in the team right now. You you can't trust them anymore. You know how many times has the defense, the unit that was supposed to be uh, our backbone, that was supposed to be able to carry us to nine wins or something like that uh, this year? How many times have they let us down? I mean, it's kind of been a theme. Uh, for all these games, uh, you know, lately, just uh, anytime the Bears have an advantage at the or you know, God forbid fields or, or even Dalton in the Ravens game gets us the lead late. We need to stop from the defense. They find a way to let us down. And uh, especially in that Ravens game, they let us down in a spectacular uh, way. So, uh, you know, uh, and I even admit, like I'm tired of being this guy. I'm tired of talking about my team this way. And I look forward to the day when I don't. And I think that that day will come when we move on from Nagy so we can talk about the team in terms of hope and, and you know, all that kind of stuff uh, instead of, you know, like we, we, we know the book on Nagy. We know what we're going to get out of him. Uh, that's one of the reasons that we're all kind of writing this this line where it's like, you know, you don't want the Bears to lose. You don't want them to play well. Well, I mean, you want them to play well. You don't want them to lose, but at the same time, you're okay with them losing because it means we're one game closer to uh, firing Matt Nagy, which we should have already done. Let's be honest. But um, anyway, um, we're going to bring on Jess Root from uh, the Rise Up Sea Red podcast. We'll dive into this uh, interview. Uh, we cover a lot. We talk about the team and how they got to this point. Started out seven and zero, lost that tough game to the Packers on. Thursday night football um, had that rough day uh, against the the Panthers a couple of weeks ago, but uh, you know, even with Kyler Murray being gone for three games, they were two and one and had this impressive victory over the uh, the Seahawks in Seattle with Colt McCoy under center. We talk a bit about Cliff Kingsbury and what hiring him has done for the team and how he's grown uh, in the position, even coming from kind of a, a mediocre stock in in Texas Tech. It's like, why would the Cardinals want to hire a guy that just went five and six with uh, te- Texas Tech? But it's it's worked out like gangbusters. It was a calculated risk, and it's worked out great uh, for everyone involved. Steve Kime, the general manager, Kyler Murray, the quarterback that he picked, and for Cliff Kingsbury uh, himself. So anyway, let's go ahead and, and dive into it. This is the Week 13 preview episode of the Bears Talk Underground with myself and Jess Root previewing Bears Cardinals for Sunday. So let's get to it.
1: Hang up the telephone, I hear the dial tone, out
0: loud Week number 13, after our little mini-buy from Thanksgiving, our beloved Chicago Bears return home to Soldier Field, this time to take on the top seed in the NFC. And who knew that going into week 13, the top seed would be the Arizona Cardinals? I mean, I don't even think my good friend... Jess root from the rise up uh, Sea Red podcast would have called that one uh you know but uh Jess welcome back to the show man I mean we talked hey, about it over the gonna summer
1: it's going to be back yeah
0: I we talked about it over the summer and and I you know the the arrow was definitely pointing up cuz as as with Cliff Kingsbury being the head coach they were better the next year than they were the year before but you know the NFC West looked like a monster uh, of a division, and it just like the the Cardinals might be the odd man out, and yet they're going to be the last man standing, or at least it looks like that's the way it's going to be.
1: Yeah, it's really looking like that right now, and and I don't remember if I told you this back before the season, but I felt that the Cardinals had a Super Bowl ceiling. Uh, everything had to go right. The thing is, is that not everything has gone right, and they look like. The best team in 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 football right now, and that's that's even having to weather some injuries. JJ Watt's out, Chase Edmonds has been out. They miss Kyler Murray for three games. I thought the entire NFC West was had a Super Bowl ceiling. This is even better than what we could have imagined. I, I thought it was possible. I, I think what it came down to is the the defense is better than advertised. Well, better than expect. They're they're top. they their defense is playing at a high level and that's the difference because we thought the offense was going to be good and as long as the defense wasn't terrible they were going to be able to be competitive but that 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 defense has been more than competent they've been very good
0: yeah and and that's what i've been noticing as i've been you know following the team uh this year because you know like we talked about um you know the the, the NFC West was going to be that division where they just seemed like You know, these guys might just beat the hell out of each other because, you know, if you're doing a power rankings of the NFC, just about every team in this division is going to be in the top eight, uh, or what have you. You know, it's 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 gonna it would be mathematically tough, but this is a division good enough to send everybody to the playoffs with the seven seeds uh, and everything. And you're just wondering where the Cardinals' place and all of that uh, was going to be. And and I do remember talking to you about the defense and that was pretty much going to tell the story about how this uh, season was going to uh, going to go. And even with losing J.J. Watt, they've still been able to maintain.
1: Yeah, I think it comes down to the fact is that J.J. Watt was almost a luxury. They didn't need him personnel-wise if they kept their defensive line healthy because they were getting Channel Jones back. They were getting Jordan Phillips back. Zach Allen was – they, they had only Angelo Blackson was the only defensive lineman who didn't, who, who, who played on.
0: As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills.
1: The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is.
0: Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact.
1: As you write your life
0: story, you're far from finished. Dot edu slash podcast in
1: all 16 games this season Oh last season and so yeah, that was that was one of the major things Chandler jones comes back they they've had marcus golden coming back and then they, you got the you got the secondary and so it's just been it's been perfect honestly it's just what you saw in the defensive progress. Was good and JJ Watt and and I think more than anything because the talent was on the roster before, and 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 you can't understate the importance of the types of leaders they added. So they weren't they weren't just washed up players who were leaders in the locker room. Did JJ Watt, AJ Green, Rodney Hudson, all guys who have played at the highest level, been the best at their positions, and just happen to be on the wrong side of thirty now? Right. They're still playing at. Big high level. Um, Rodney Hudson's playing still at a great level at his position. AJ Green, there was questions. JJ Watt, there were questions if they still had stuff in the tank. It was a question of how much. But they're in addition to the performance, the level. So they come in with a cache of expectation, performance, and the approach in the locker room is different. So there's a it, they're more serious. It's not like they're not having fun, but they're not losing that focus, and which they did. Last year, they lost some focus when when there were injuries and, and when they came up against the team that they felt they should win or they should beat. They they let their focus down a little bit. And J.J. Watt does not allow it. It's, it's changed sort of the. It's changed the culture of the locker room, it's not necessarily the culture, just the focus, just make it a little bit more business like and consistent week in and week out.
0: So let's talk about how we got here uh, real quick, because. You start off the year on the road at Tennessee, an impressive thirty-eight to thirteen uh, victory, and and you know it was impressive to look at the, you know how the game was won. the the The, the Cardinals were were dominant on the road, um, you know, against a team that was uh, poised to have something to say in the AFC and and still might when it's all said and done. But you know, it, in just in, in in true NFL fashion, it was like wow, that was impressive, but was that just one of those fluky week one things where Arizona was just more ready to play? Or was this an actual statement that Arizona made? So you fast forward to week two, you, you squeak by the, the Vikings in your home opener, then you go on the road and you beat Jacksonville, no big surprise there. But then the game that made everybody kind of stand up and notice that, okay, the Cardinals might actually be somebody we need to pay attention to, like for real, was week four on the road against the Rams you come away with a thirty-seven to twenty uh, game, and and I didn't get a chance to see it, but from what I understand, it wasn't as close as the seventeen-point deficit on the scoreboard.
1: It wasn't. It was they dominated that game, and it, and it came down too early because the Rams were having some early success. Yeah, it, it's what the Cardinals had done early. So they they get a stop, they get points, and they create a turnover. And Matthew Stafford would look like. A clear MVP candidate through the first three three weeks, and then looked like looked like the not great Matthew Stafford you guys have seen. Like you, you, Bears fans have seen. They've seen the great from Matthew Stafford, and you've seen the head scratchers. And he was he was rattled. He he didn't. It wasn't just he was getting pressured, but even when he wasn't hit, his throws were off. His yeah. throws weren't good. They weren't on target, and, and that's kind of what said so combined that the Tennessee win, which was a statement it was like for the team I think kinda of galvanized them as to okay, we can do this. We're we're gonna be good. They they blow out a Super Bowl contender, an early Super Bowl contender, expectation wise, on the road in week one. It did for them the opposite of what happened in twenty sixteen when the Cardinals came in with Super Bowl expectations and then they lost uh week one against the Patriots to Jimmy Garoppolo when they missed a, a game-winning field goal at the end right. of the game, and that was a gut punch to them then. And I think this was the opposite of a gut punch. It was the juice. It was it was ice in the veins. It was a pick-me-up. It was a whatever you want to call it.
0: Sure.
1: But it, it, was a, it gave them the confidence, okay, we got this. And, the, and you start off ahead of schedule instead of being in a hole. So starting off 1-0 and really is diff- feels different than starting off 0-1-1. Mm-hmm. Squeak away with that win in, in, against Minnesota, a game they very well could have lost but didn't. They still made enough plays. But, yeah, that division game, because it, it, it did a number of things. It showed that, that they can go toe-to-toe with anyone in this, in this league this year. It exercised some demons because the Cardinals had lost eight straight games to the Rams, they hadn't beat Sean McVay, and they hadn't beaten Matthew Stafford since 2015. Mm. Um, and then it just kind of kept rolling from there. They found ways to beat the San Francisco 49ers in a game that you know it was close, but it never was like the Cardinals never lost control of it. They were in control the whole game. They beat up on the Browns. Um, I can't remember what The game I came after that, then Houston, then, then the Packers game, yeah, then the Packers game, and. You know that game; they had some adversity to it, and A.J. Green just turns around.
0: Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I mean, you're talking to a Bears fan here, and um, they they ruined my vacation week. I was I was uh, I was away. I was actually at home in the Chicago area on vacation, and you know the Packers, and I'm just I'm sick of Aaron Rodgers uh, and the Packers. And I mean, they were just coming off of beating us. Uh, a week or two before this was, you know, and that's where the "I own you" moment uh, came from. So, bear fans are hating on Aaron Rodgers a little bit more than usual uh, these days because uh, of that. Because a we can't beat the guy, and then you know he rubs some dirt in our wound uh, and everything, or salt, I should say. And you guys got him beat. You're, you're 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 on that last drive. You're moving the ball down the field. You know, you look like you're going to go eight and zero, and then. You know, whatever happens with AJ Green, and maybe he he's blocking a run play or something like that, and Murray throws it out there, and you know the guy made a good play to make the pick, but god damn AJ, you got to turn around, bro. He was
1: surprised? He was surprised that the ball got there because that if AJ Green just turns around, that ball is unguardable. Yeah, he catches a touchdown to win the game, and Kyler Murray does to Aaron Rodgers what Aaron Rodgers does to seemingly every other team in the league, right? And he beats them on a last-minute drive after they stopped him and with the clutch defensive play, 94 yards down the field. And it came down to the fact, what was A.G. Green doing? He, he just missed a signal, apparently, because it was, yeah, that, that play, that, you know, Cliff Kingsbury, Cliff Kingsbury doesn't ever, never blames players. He kind of, he... Sort of threw AJ Green under the bus, and he wasn't trying to be malicious about it. It was like, yeah, that was the play we wanted, that was the look we wanted, and he just didn't turn around. Like there was a miscommunication. Yeah. He very rarely he re- rarely says anything that suggests that it was somebody's fault, but he made it clear that that AJ that AJ messed up for whatever reason. There was a there was a mishand signal, something something, but it's like, wait, what? And then Rasul Douglas, on top of that, made a fantastic play because, yeah. you know, he gets the sound of the ball, looks up, and then, whoa, it's right there. And it, it, if he doesn't pick it off, at least they're sending it to overtime because they, they would have pick the field goal done overtime, and who knows what happens then. But, but then Tyler Murray gets hurt, and he the next three games, and Cole McCoy! Cole McCoy! Let's who, talk about that
0: saying, because...
1: Uh, he's still got something in the tank.
0: Yeah, because, well, I mean, and this was something that... Um, I was talking to my my Detroit Lions guy last week, and you know, going into the Thanksgiving game, and the two of us kind of uh, crying into our beer over our teams uh, and everything, and and talking about how aggravating it is uh, to watch other teams, uh, and and when it just basically comes down to coaching. So I got to tip my hat to Cliff Kingsbury and his staff that Colt McCoy can come in off the bench, and Colt McCoy's had his days. He's not a worthless quarterback by any means. Uh, or anything like that. But for him to come out and to have the day that he had uh, against Seattle, you know, it was like 30, th- you know, 30 something of 44 and 290 something and two touch, no picks. Yeah, and it's like 28 yards, his first 300 yard games. It's 2014. So, but he can come off the bench and do that. You know, it's like, okay. I hate the Cardinals now because they're making it look easy now. It's almost like they're laughing in everyone's face, or at least it feels that way to a Bears fan who it's like, we're struggling over here. We've got a 10-year veteran in Andy Dalton coming in for the injured Justin Fields, and we're barely scraping by. Like, he's putting yards together, but we're not putting points on the board. We're not getting in the end zone. We're still struggling and inconsistent uh, on offense. And here, Colt McCoy, you know, like, you know, how many games has he played since that three hundred yard game in twenty fourteen? Comes right in, like like we never miss Kyler Murray. Just comes in slinging it around the field and beats the uh, beats the Seahawks in Seattle. You know, it's like that's not fair. It's not fair. So, but you got to tip your hat to Cliff Kingsbury because that's that's got that's a good coaching job right there. That your backup can come in and make you not miss the starter.
1: Yeah, and the truth is. Colt McCoy is exactly... He reminds me of Drew Stanton, only he's, I think he's actually a little bit better than Drew, Drew Stanton in terms of that he, he hasn't... He's been stuck around for a long time. They wanted him on the roster here because of the way he could mentor Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray's a, the type of player he is because he's played at such a high level of every, every level he's been at. It's hard to come in and, you know, earn his respect right away, just come in with that. But Colt McCoy already had that because... Colt McCoy was a star in Texas. Yeah. And so Kyler grew up watching him they a badass in high school and in college. And, you know, honestly, his career would have, I honestly think, two things, and I always said this on my podcast, I think it was last week. Honestly, I think Colt McCoy was a decade early. I think if he comes in the NFL now, mm-hmm. coming out of college, he'd have been a baller. And he wasn't a bad quarterback in Cleveland. No, he wasn't a bad quarterback. And, and he's coming in with that shoulder injury, really, really bad timing to have that shoulder injury to come back from. He wasn't a bad quarterback in Cleveland. He just wasn't great. But I think, you know, because he was a little undersized, and but if he were to play in today's NFL, coming out as a rookie, with the career that he had, he'd have been a baller. Like just look at look at what are the quarterbacks do. He would have been great. And so uh, it, it's the fact is he's – He's a veteran player who prepares really well and he can give you starter quality play. It's not going to be every game because actually we saw against Panthers and he turned the ball over twice. And, and if things are on schedule, the, the talent around them, that's, that's what had led to in those games against San Francisco and Seattle is they stayed on schedule. If he's on schedule, he's great. Um, he's a great quarterback and it kind of, and if when things get sideways, he can't get you back. But you know, let's be honest: you turn over the ball twice in the first quarter, you fall behind seventeen nothing. There aren't many quarterbacks in the NFL who can bring you back from that, no matter what.
0: Right. So that's what happened in the air in the uh, Carolina game. That in the feel-good yeah. uh, Cam Newton show.
1: Oh my gosh! Yeah, that's essentially what happened. The, the Cardinals got behind. Then you know, there was the there was a the sack fumble. And on the first drive and then he threw an interception on a on a he threw across his body overthrew that and that was it. They gave up three two touchdowns in the field goal they were down seventeen nothing in the first quarter and they, they there was there was no way of coming back because then they could just because Carolina's got a real physical defense to begin with and they've got a running game. And they were able to use that running game against the Cardinals. Um, I know Chicago can run the ball really well, but the best defense the Cardinals have had, what makes the Cardinals good Run defensively is by getting scoring points, and if you keep the game close, that's when the Cardinals are vulnerable. But they haven't really had many close games, and so teams, and even that they run the ball well, to Derrick Henry, Cleveland Browns with Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb, guess what? They couldn't run the ball against the Cardinals because they had to give up on the run because they fell behind by by two scores.
0: Yeah, well, I mean that's that's one of the things that's been uh, you know that's been so impressive about the Cardinals thus far is, is you know watching looking at, at this margin uh, of victory your your 9 and 2 record is vastly different from Baltimore's 8 and 3 like we just saw the ravens you know 2 weeks ago and this well, was a team
1: they have a great quarterback but they are squeaking out those teams. like
0: and that's what i mean is that as a as a team even though they've been they've been you know not just bitten but you know inhaled by the injury bug uh, and everything they're, they're, it's just like the six and three record they came into town with was like, how is this team six and three? And it's just like, how are they squeaking by here? They beat this team, then they get run off the field by the, by the Bengals in their own town, 41 to 17. But then, then they come back and it's, you know, it's like six and three. It's like, how are they, how are they doing this? Or, you know, how is this a, a team that is, you know, challenging for the top seed? I think they are like record wise, like winner percentage. I think they're number one. In the AFC right now, and then here you guys are at nine and two. And it's easy to see how the Cardinals are nine and two. Look at their margin of victory. Hell, you should be ten and one, if not for AJ Green and Rasul Douglas, uh, in the corner of the end zone in that one football game. Carolina's your only true loss as far as like you just got beat that day. Uh, you know, and it's it's been in a real impressive stretch for the for the Cardinals, man. I, I hope they can keep it up.
1: It, well, and that's that's going to be. It, they can rock up, so they can have the division locked up in in before Christmas. Um, you know, all respected to your to your Bears, they're not a good team. No, so they should be the Bears. Yes, they like the Lions. In so they got the Bears, the Rams, and the Lions. The Bears and the Lions, they those are should win games for the Cardinals. Yes. Those, those aren't like I'm not overlooking them, but those are games that a team like the Cardinals with with the, with the talent they those are they should win those games. If they beat the Rams as well, that locks up the division. They go 3-0 and because they'll, they'll have the, t- the head-to-head tiebreaker. They'll swept the series over the over the Rams. And the Rams right now look very beatable. Very beatable. They lost three yeah. games in a row. Suddenly, they, they don't look good. If the Cardinals win these next three games, they've wrapped up the division, and that's before Christmas. Um, now, the number one seed's another animal because, you know, but they, they have good games left after that. So they've got the Bears, Rams, they've got Lions. After that, they... They play in the Colts at home, mm-hmm. then they play Dallas and Big D, and then they end at home against the Seahawks. You know, so you got two two teams that are likely going to be in the playoffs in the Colts and the, and the Cowboys. Then you've got the Rams who are going to be in the playoffs as well. So they've got three of their last six games against playoff teams, and then you've got two teams that they should beat in a Seattle team that looks completely lost. So yeah. I think, you know, four and two, four and two, completely reasonable three and three would be disappointing, but I think four and two, and that would lock up the division anyway. So they're, they're well on their way to, to a division when hosting a playoff game and, and ideally they, I mean, now after that it's, Hey, let's lock up a first round bye. and that yeah. would give JJ Watt the opportunity to perhaps come back to be playing in that divisional round.
0: Yeah, he pretty much just his shoulder just exploded on that particular hit. Is that uh I,
1: I correct? don't understand. So the the report this it says he played over it and then what you see that happened, it looked minor. Yeah. He didn't mobilize it if he played some order in the game. And and I thought he might have gotten hurt because he didn't come out. There was no announcement in the press box that game. But he came out before the other starters in that in that in that Texans game when they were up, you know whatever to five and I wonder then then the report comes out that he that he injured his shoulder he might need surgery and then it was you know torn labrum torn rotator cuff torn biceps but then he's saying well he's going to look into this option so if it's all three of those tears they I'm sure they were minimal tears because he's looking he's targeting a two-month return um, which one you're a special kind of human being physically yeah. which you know we saw Russell Wilson was supposed to miss four to eight weeks with his finger injury and maybe he probably should have, but he was back on the field in, in three weeks. Um, and but he hasn't looked the same. But these these professional athletes when their body in rehab, if they put their mind to it, they can be on the field. Maybe it's not the smartest thing to do. Like if one of us tried to do that, then our, <laughs> our shoulder would probably explode. Yeah. But you know they have the money they have the means and they have the time to be able to focus on that and he 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 knows where he's at in his career he's on the back end and so he doesn't want to miss anything
0: yeah i mean we when when we talked over the the summer one of the more interesting things about the cardinals was that in this in this uh you know pandemic shortened uh salary cap that uh, not a lot of teams were partaking in free agency and the cardinals were one of the teams one of like two teams in the entire league that was basically out there like being active in free agency, signing A.J. Green, signing, uh, you know, J.J. Watt, getting, uh, you know, Rodney Hudson, adding him to the offensive line. Uh, you know, it did look like they were a team that was trying to win this year and just, the, you know, wondering how well that was going to going to work out. And and you talked about that earlier um, in this uh, interview talking about how you know having guys like AJ Green and and JJ Watt you know can helping lead this team because they've been where where the Cardinals want to go and, and the different kind and the culture that they were bringing in there with them was was the you know I'm trying to figure out how I want to ask the question but it's just you know it was it was super impressive to to see what they were doing and it, I guess it's it's um it, it's it's a good thing to see that it worked out because how many times do you see a team go out there? And spend all the money that they have, and all of a sudden, they're mediocre at best in that in that uh, following season.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's that was the thing. So they were, it was like they're selling out, but yeah. at the same time, they have a very young core, and so it was strategic they, they were they were selling out for this year, and next year before Kyler's got to get paid, and so they wanted to put enough. because they got some youth, they got the quarterback. On a on a good contract, you've got Buda Baker and Byron Murphy and, and Isaiah Simmons. You've got some guys on the offensive lines on decent contracts. It was a t- It was the time to do it. So you, kind of, what the Rams tried to do for the last couple of years, but it failed to do it. Mm-hmm. Only this time, it's it's oh, we got to let it play out. We got to let it play out, obviously, but it's paying off. You know, two thirds of through the season.
0: Yeah, yeah, because that's what you know. What we talked about earlier in in the, in the summer was. You know, how, how good the NFC West looked on paper and how the the Cardinals have been getting better each year under Cliff Kingsbury, but with the Rams trading for Stafford, the 49ers are going to be at full strength again, the Seahawks are the Seahawks, who's going to be the odd man out? You know, Is it, are the Cardinals going to be a victim of the other three more successful teams, you know, coming back and then being at full strength and then, you know, in some cases on paper with the Rams being better than they were uh, before. To, to see the Cardinals actually be the ones that are laughing all the way to the bank and everything, they made all the right moves instead of going out and making all the splashes like the Rams uh, have done uh, and everything for them to be here in this spot uh, at this point uh, in the season. Um, you know, it, it was it was funny to kind of watch it all happen. It's like, is the GM, like, is he is he panicking? Is that why he's going out there doing it? Does he have a plan? Is he trying to save his, uh, you know, trying to save his job like another missed out on the playoffs kind of season uh, and whatnot? You know, what would the ramifications be? But you know, he's coming off looking like the executive of the year right now.
1: Yeah, uh, absolutely. Um, and this year was important for him because Kim is entering the last year of his contract next year. Um, Kingsbury as well entering the fourth year of his contract. There's a team option for 2023, but it's a scenario where Kime was given. So back when in 2018, when they made the Steve Wilkes hire, that was bad. But then Michael Bidwell, the owner, when they fired Wilkes, he gave an all-confidence statement in Steve Kime and said that he believes and and trusts that Kime can get them back where they are. And, you know, the Kingsbury move drafting Kyler Murray, but they hadn't had the fruits of that yet. So that's why this year became important because you have to make a decision as a team. You don't want to be a a lame duck in its last year. Right. Um, Yeah. That's a good message. So you're either going to move on or extend him. And it, wasn't necessarily playoffs or your job, but it maybe it kind of was. Yeah, maybe it kind of was. And so they, they he put all the chips in the table, he got there, he had the core. It's it's the team's built really well. Um, and then you add a peppering of great players past their greatness, mm-hmm. but who approached the game the right way, and it transformed it. It transformed the team. Add in, you know, Cliff Kingsbury improving as a coach, Kyler Murray taking another step forward in development, and you've got the perfect mix. So now, after this year, with, because of the free agent moves they make, there are some questions that were are cap moving forward, but they are primed this year to be successful.
0: This episode of the Bears Talk Underground is brought to you by my bookie. It's not every day you can double your money, but with MyBookie, you double your money instantly thanks to their double deposit bonus for all new users. With MyBookie's double deposit bonus, when you sign up at mybookie.ag and use the promo code SPORTSDRINK, you'll instantly receive double your initial deposit so you can kickstart your betting experience with all the best games, leagues, and casino options to choose from. The Patriots are taking on the Bills this Monday night as they continue their quest to reclaim the AFC East title. Buffalo has looked like a legit Super Bowl contender. However, look for them to cover the spread. Set yourself up for success by doubling your first deposit when using the promo code SPORTSDRINK at MyBookie. That's promo code SPORTSDRINK to double your initial deposit all the way up to $1,000. Bet anything, anywhere, anytime with MyBookie. This episode is also brought to you by Symbol. Symbol is the sports stock market that allows you to profit off your sports knowledge. There are two ways to make money on Symbol. First, every time a team you own wins, you earn a cash win payout. Second, just like the stock market, if you think a team is going to increase in value, you can buy low and sell high for a profit. Use promo code SD as in sports drink to make your first deposit risk free. That means even if you lose money or just decide the market isn't for you, Simba will refund your initial deposit, no questions asked. <coughs> this episode is also brought to you by the Spotify Green Room, Guys, the Spotify Green Room is a live, audio-only sports talk platform. Talk to me, other fans, athletes, and insiders in real time. Get in on the conversation that you listen to here every single day and have a chance to be featured on your favorite podcast like this one. Download the Spotify Room app free in the iOS App Store. Create a profile, link your Twitter, and join my group. Follow me at LarryDEE. Uh, I don't know why they didn't let me use D period, but they didn't. So follow me at LarryDEE to be notified when my room goes live every Wednesday, 7 o'clock Central, 8 o'clock Eastern. And join me when we go live every Wednesday night at Club 34-7. <laughs> Yeah, so that was, the, that was the question that we had, is like, are, are they selling out to win this year? Or actually, you and I were kind of looking at it on the other end. It looks like they're selling out to win this year, but if they don't, they're in prime position to tear it all down and start over next year. And that's where the yeah. question of, you know, Steve Kime's job, it's like, where are we at uh, with that? Because he's kind of set the franchise up to start over perfectly, and they may be doing it without him.
1: That doesn't look like that way now, unless, unless of course, you know, the rumors are true and Cliff Kingsbury goes to Oklahoma. Right. I don't think that's going to happen, but the money that's being thrown around to call it. He might be able to get the same amount of money per year from the Cardinals. If Oklahoma throws 10 years, $125 million at him. Yeah. That's really hard. That's really hard to turn down when probably on the top end, like if, He's going to get five years, $60 million, which would put him just below Bill Belichick in terms of the highest paid coaches. And that's half of what Oklahoma could support, purportedly maybe offer him in a deal. But I, he loves the pros. Um, I don't think he's going anywhere. And that said, it, it, does, it does give us a little bit of, of speculation moving forward because he didn't shoot it down. But, of course, that's a business move.
0: Yeah, he kinda of balked at the question, right? And of he course. didn't he didn't he didn't answer some leverage. it. Yeah. Use it. Sure. Yeah. Definitely a strategic answer. Or at least that's how it came off to me. It didn't feel like he was evading of course. Of course. the question or of course. Of course. anything like that. That came from
1: Schefter. You know that was agent placed. <laughs> right. That was like Oklahoma wouldn't leak that. Yeah. That's his agent. That's Eric Burkhart. Hey, putting his name out there. He's creating a little leverage, just just to let the Cardinals know, hey, there are other options out there. If you're if you're going to be cheap, which the Cardinals they haven't been that, but, but yeah. So that that's crazy a little fun. But the Cardinals th- this week, this week in particular, they look looks like they're going to be back to themselves. Mm-hmm. They, they're not going to be peace feeling things. Kyler Murray looks on track to play. DeAndre Hopkins looks like he's on track to play. And um, as well as they played without them, that doesn't necessarily bode well for y'all's Bears.
0: Right. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm not looking forward uh, to this game uh, on Sunday in regards to the outcome uh, or anything like that. I've been looking forward to 2022 for quite some time and not, not because I, you know, want the bears to lose or I think they can't win uh, games or whatever. I'm just, I'm, I'm over this head coach and his coaching staff. I'm just,
1: now, here, here's, 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 let me tell you this. I think I, I'm not going to make a call on this thing, but I think that the, that you can kind of look at the Cardinals and look into the future a little bit. Um, the Cardinals have Adrian Wilson, who has connections to Chicago after his time with the Cardinals? He's now in position to be promoted to general manager position. I don't know if you guys are if that's kind of up in the air still, mm-hmm. but if they let Nagy and the Jam go. Adrian Wilson would make a nice would be a nice fit there, and he might be the guy that would bring Vance Joseph. over. Vance Joseph is going to be super picky if he gets head coaching interviews because he likes, he likes what he's doing right now, but that might be potential thing. So you're looking into the future. If they move on, you can look at the Cardinals organization and say, hmm, Adrian Olsen,
0: Vance Joseph, that could be your future. Do we want Vance Joseph though? He did not do well in Denver. Yes. He also didn't have quarterback. True. Like
1: they were, they they tried to. He was trying to win games with Paxton Lynch and Trevor Simeon. <laughs>
0: that's, uh, that's true. That's true. Um, you know, Which, but I was just wondering that's
1: like, with that's like working with Nick Foles and Eddie Dalton.
0: True. Yeah, it is. <laughs> but I mean, but I'm just wondering. You know, if if, if, uh, if that's a case where, you know, this this is a guy that's like the the next Wade Phillips, where you know, as your defensive coordinator. He can have you in, you know, top five, top ten defense, no problem. You know, all your defense, all your offense needs to do is put 20 points on the board, and that's a guaranteed win, then put him in charge of the entire football team. All of a sudden, nothing works. But he goes back to being a coordinator, and all of a sudden, hey, you know, we're one of the top units in in the NFL and all that kind of stuff, and we just keep going around and around. He fails as a head coach, but he's awesome when he's just, you know, taking charge of – one unit is Vance Joseph. One of those guys, can he coach a whole team or should he just stick to one side of the ball?
1: You know, here's my take on most of the scenarios. I don't think that there are that many, that there is a handful of difference making coaches. And I, most of the other guys, they're all, they're all good. Cause you don't, you don't coach in the NFL without being a good coach. Yeah, and It comes to the situation. Do they have the right front office? Do they have the right quarterback and personnel? Um, because give, give a decent coach good talent with a little bit of fortune, you know, a little bit of fortune in terms of injuries, guess what? They're going to be good. That's how the NFL is built. And so if I, – I, I have no reason to believe why Vance Joseph couldn't be a very good head coach because of the way he approaches the game, the way his players respect him. And then, of course, it would come down to his staff. What type of offensive scheme does it put in? Does Justin Fields become the player that the franchise believes he can be? Mm -hmm. And that, ultimately, obviously, Adrian Wilson and Vance Joseph would have to look at the scenario and say, do they believe in Justin Fields the way that the Cardinals believe in Kyler Murray?
0: Right. Well, I remember Vance Joseph being a very popular hire uh when the Broncos <laughs> named him the head coach and then that went I mean, did he did he last two years or was it was it three that he was there? Cause, cause yeah, it, was, it, it feels was, like it was over just as quickly as it started out there.
1: it was two or three, but yeah. I mean people love to see Wilkes hire too, so
0: Oh. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well but let's let's talk about your guy real quick because you know, personally, when when I heard the Cardinals were going to hire uh, Kingsbury, I thought they were nuts to – I mean, because Texas Tech wasn't that good of a college program while he was like, why would they want to bring – you know, he's been in the middle of the road in the Big 12 or whatever uh, with Texas Tech. Why would they want him to coach an NFL team? But it's just, I guess, something about what he does or the offense that he brings is uh, – you know, tailor made for the NFL game. And then I guess also drafting Kyler Murray was really helpful uh, as well. The two of them have grown together. And like, I know that was probably the idea, but if I had a choice, I, I don't think Cliff Kingsbury would have even been on my list.
1: Well, here's the thing that I think works for Kingsbury one, he, the way he approaches coaching, he's a grinder. Like, you know, he was the hot guy, he was the hot coach. At Texas Tech, but if you look at how he approaches coaching, he is an all-ball guy, and and if you look at his successes and failures at Texas Tech, was it the coaching or was it the talent? And if you look at the Texas Tech as a program, guess what?
0: Not very good. You're going to
1: lose on talent, yeah, because of you know Texas Lubbock. just isn't. My son goes to Texas Tech. He's not there for athletics, but Lubbock. Is not a destination place for your premier athletes, especially in the Big 12, when, when, even if you're not in the Big 12. And so, and, and here's another thing that I thought worked well for him I think his not being a highly successful coach in college wasn't advanced for him in the pros because you get guys like a Chip Kelly, you get guys like an Urban Meyer or or these legendary college coaches who make the jumps, the pros, and they come in with some hubris that they know what they're doing. And Kingsbury, he didn't come in saying, look at me. He he came in believing in himself as a coach, because every coach should believe that he could coach at the highest level. Now he's in a system where he doesn't have to recruit. He you know, everyone's at the same advantage, everyone's got a salary cap. It's just about talent evaluation, in cap management, and fit in scheme. He has an offensive scheme he believes in. He's flexible. So notice he's not running the same type of plays. He's not passing the ball fifty times out of ten personnel. He still runs ten personnel more than any other team in the league. But that's not the only thing he does. Yeah. He runs the ball. And so he's, he's he's very Bill Belichick in the sense that he isn't set on one thing. He's flexible. Things change. He will adjust. And, and he didn't come in with that same type of hubris that other college coaches who are highly successful come in to do. Come in and you get a new quarterback. Um, he has a defensive coordinator. In Vance Joseph, who has head coaching experience, so he can feel his way into the league. And his approach to coaching is not me, me, me. It's team, team, team. He believes that talent is what matters. And so he lets Steve kind of get him the talent, and he coaches that talent and kind of stays out of the way. And he does not criticize players in public he definitely has a doghouse. We've seen it a couple times. I not David Johnson's first year got the doghouse. But you will never hear him criticize players. And he's deep talks minimally about individuals, and it's all about team, and even about himself in terms of his responsibility.
0: Well, whatever he's doing, it's definitely uh, working. You guys come to town uh, on Sunday. You're coming off uh, a bye. You know, you got Colt McCoy with his great day. Uh, got you the win in Seattle before – uh, the bye week and everything. So if the bears are going to have a prayer uh, in this thing, um, you know, well, the, the, for, you know, first of all, the bears have to figure out how to stop beating themselves before they can worry about how they can beat the Cardinals, you know, the, the penalties and, and, you know, turnovers. And I mean, turnovers haven't been a big deal for the bears. It's been more, uh, you know, like uh, we've had bad games, like fields, turn the ball over five times against the, um, against the Buccaneers and, uh, you know, through three interceptions and things like that, it hasn't been something where it's just like we're, we constantly turn the ball over. The penalties more than anything, and just the overall play calling uh, from from Nagy and, and Laser, our offensive uh, coordinator, they just seem to have a gift for, you know, between the, the 20 and the 20, we seem to be very, fairly confident most of the time. But when we get inside the red zone, all of a sudden – you know we're full-blown dodos and we can't seem to get anything right third down plays they you know the defense can see it coming let's say we f- solve all of that we eliminate our penalty issues we figure out how to run a competent offense that can score points what do the bears need to do to stop and or beat the cardinals on sunday
1: turnovers if you can create turnovers that'll be the difference because if you keep the game close it allows them to rely on the run game cards are, uh, are not strong against the run. They came pretty and strong, but they're built not to have to stop a strong run game for an entire four quarters. Mm-hmm. They're built to do it for a quarter, maybe a half. And then for the team to not run the ball anymore. So the, the, the three games where they were in trouble, Minnesota, green Bay, and then Carolina, two of those were losses. They had seven turnovers. Uh, they had multiple turnovers in each game. And so that's kind of the key um, turn the ball over, keep the game close because the game stays close. Then the, then the Cardinals can then the offense can't turn into a ball race.
0: So to expand on that, is it turnovers to stop the offense or is it turnovers and put it, score points? Off of those because the Bears every now and then can manage to actually force a turnover. But then that, you know, we found a way to screw that up against the the Lions uh, on Thanksgiving. (laughs) We got a sacked fumble uh, deep in Lions territory and walked away empty handed on that drive. So it basically essentially had no impact whatsoever on the game. So it it has to be more than just a momentum killer. I'm thinking to be able to have a chance against you guys.
1: Absolutely, that you do have to turn those into points. Uh, but that's that's the part where you keep the game close because Cardinals. I mean, um, unless they they have a meltdown like they did against Carolina, things just went sideways, and they have to completely scrap their game plan. That offense, if it stays on schedule, I don't think there's a team that can defend it. Right. That can. Stop, it's not a team in the league who can stop that offense if they stay on schedule. You have to create negative plays whether it's forcing penalties, getting sacks, putting turnovers. The only way to stop that offense is to keep them off schedule because if they're on schedule, they're going to go down and they're going to get 400 to 450 yards and they're going to score 30 points. It's it's almost a guarantee unless you do something to keep them off schedule for a drive or two.
0: Yeah, and, and they're explosive enough, like say if the Bears dink and dunk their way down the field, 15-play drive, you know, and and the football gods bless them with a touchdown, you know something like that. You could still come back down the field in three plays and and put it in the end zone uh, with your guys to kind of counteract that.
1: Yeah, and they can do it a lot of different ways because they had, I think, four drives against the Seahawks that were six and a half minutes or longer. Wow! So they can they can strike quickly, they can take chunks, and they can do it methodically because they can run the ball. And, and also it's, it's kind of the scheme of the offense staying on schedule. They, they will take what you were given them, but they'll keep converting. So they can, they can strike fast. They can speed it up, but they can also, while they're playing fast offense, no huddle or limited huddle, they can still take time off the clock.
0: Right. Well, I mean, it's, I hate to keep, you know, bagging on my team, but it's like, I know what you guys do well. And I know I, that I was that, just on a
1: podcast earlier today, uh-huh. and it was oh my oh my goodness, it was it was hilarious <laughs> the the amount of complaining it was. Well, people are pissed, man. Well, love the Bears and are just upset yeah. about how things are going and the football IQ of, of this team.
0: Yeah, well, I mean that's the thing. I mean, it's I I had a more realistic slant on how this season was going to go. It's just that. From draft nights, that's where everything turned as opposed to, you know, whereas where I was actually excited about 2021 because before we drafted Fields, there was really nothing to look forward to where we brought Nagy and Pace back. After the constant quarterback carousel, will they, won't they, you know, that flirtation with Russell Wilson, we settle for Andy Dalton, you right. know.
1: You went from offering a deal for Russell Wilson to getting Andy Dalton. Right. Yes.
0: Yeah, and, and then –
1: what a more disappointing <laughs> quarterback drama! But it was saved by by the pick of fields kind of falling in your lap. It was it was perfect. So hopefully, hopefully though, that that pans out for you guys as as a franchise. Because honestly, it's better for the NFL when you have good young quarterbacks competing all over the place. No yeah. one wants awful teams, right? It's it's unwatchable. Now yeah. I will say this: I watched that that Bears Lions game. It was unwatchable. It was, although it made the betting side of me, because I, I do some betting analysis, maybe look like a maybe look brilliant because I had the Bears winning, uh-huh. the Lions covering, and having it go under, and right. if I looked there like was, a freaking genius. Anyone who bet I, the over
0: on that game is is somebody who was trying to get out of a hole of some kind. Older. There's, yeah. <laughs> You know, somebody was betting the mortgage on the over because they needed to cover what they'd lost before. There's no way that anybody with a brain in their head was betting the over uh, on the Bears and Lions. And there's two offenses combining for anything.
1: 40 and a half? You don't see see totals that low. That's the low end of what you see.
0: Yeah, and we didn't come close to that either. So (laughs) So, that's what was so sad about it. But, you know, like I said, I, I... I'm tired of being this guy where I'm constantly bagging on my team. It's just that I know there are so many different ways to beat us. And even in, in times like, you know, the Bears are 4-7 and seven right now. If we had been able to hold on defense in like four out of five games, we basically gave up the game on the last drive where we had the lead or we had momentum, all we need to do is make a stop to finish it off. We couldn't do it. We couldn't do it against Green Bay. We couldn't do it the, the, you know, two weeks later against the 49ers, the week after that against the Steelers, and then against the Ravens. We just need the defense to make a stop. In two of those games, it would have given us the win. In the other two, it would have gotten us the ball back to go for the win. And the defense let us down in all of those. So even if we have one of those moments where we come and steal the game back, the defense, which was supposed to be the strength of the team this year, will go ahead and fold like a cheap you know, uh, accordion to give the game back. And then it's like we're, we're averaging less than 19 points a game this year. Who the hell are we going to beat scoring 19 points uh, a game? You know, it's just not going to happen. Our highest point total of the season was 27 points in a losing effort to the Steelers because after Justin Fields got us the lead with a minute 40 to go, we couldn't stop Big Ben from, you know, traipsing their offense down the field to kick the game winning field goal, you know? So, like, that's why I don't feel like we have a chance uh, against the Cardinals because the things that you do well, we can't counteract those things. So it's just, you know, your ability to score points. To you know, for the defense is playing well, which runs right into the face of our inability to score points right, and, right, right. and things right. like that.
1: Cardinals do two things. So analytically, you kind when of, you look at the defense, two areas that that you want to dominate in that makes you a great defense is red zone and third down. The Cardinals are very good on both of those.
0: Yeah, we're not. <laughs> we're <laughs> definitely not. Definitely not. Uh, you know, in in the red zone, definitely not in the uh, in, in third down. It just you know, you look at the game at the end of it and be like, oh, you know, the so-and-so was uh, was only, you know, 6-4-14. But you go back and you look at those six, and those were six critical third downs that we needed, and we didn't get them kind of thing. It always just seems like it's more so like you maybe analytically we look like we're okay on third down, but go back and actually look at the tape. And that was a big third down that you gave up there. We were the, we were the, the great wall of China on first and second down it's third and nine. We give up a 12 yard pass to a wide open receiver all of a sudden. So So frustrating. It is. It's mind numbingly frustrating uh, is what it is. So, you know, and then we, as bear fans are, are, uh, you know, fighting with each other internally, like some people that, well, we leave Dalton in there. We're going to make the playoffs. It's like playoffs, Dude, do we even want to make the playoffs this year? Because if we make the playoffs, we're signing up for another year of Matt Nagy. Do you really want to do this again next year?
1: Because Nagy goes into the negotiations, like, we've been in the playoffs the last two years. You're going to fire me after going to the playoffs twice in a row?
0: Well, and three yeah. out of four, you right. know, because he made it his first year. And, and, and you know, last the he hasn't had a losing record. He's been in the playoffs three out of four seasons, and they're going to fire him? No. They're not going to do that. They're going to bring them back and let them ruin our hopes another season. It's like I don't want another year of this shit. I don't think you do either. So, let's I don't want to I don't not going to root for the Bears to lose, but I'm not exactly going to be crying in my beer if they do because that means we're one game closer to getting somebody else in here who's going to who at least will have a shot to do better than Nagy's do. We know we're going to get out of Matt Nagy. I I would much rather choose the field than Nagy right now. So, <laughs> oh.
1: unfortunately, unfortunately, at least for, and this just comes from one of my, one of my buddies at work, who is a, who is a Bears fan. Mm-hmm. And he said, you know, they should have fired Nagy. If they fired Nagy after the Thursday night game, then, you know, you have that one game lift that, a, that an interim always has. And you mm-hmm. then you give yourself a chance against the Bears. Yeah. But who knows when, you know, two thousand six. The Cardinals just put out a uh, kind of a video that that takes us back to that that 2006 Monday Night I game and Jimmy Creed. and you know it could happen again. It and, could. You know, like the Cardinals dominated that game, yes. and the Bears could have one of those games, kind of like how the Panthers did uh, a couple of weeks ago. I don't count on it. I expect I expect the Cardinals to run away with this. Yeah, there's um, a
0: there's I a few I things expect, we're missing like that or, uh, 13
1: type game.
0: Yeah. I, I I would I would think something like that, but there there are a few things that we're missing um, on this team that uh, you know will make it difficult to pull off a 2006 type of uh, performance. Uh, we don't have Devin Hester, uh, we don't have Brian Urlacher or Mike Brown or Peanut Tillman um, or Lovey Smith for that matter. You know, we we don't have those things that uh, would put us in a gooder a gooder a better position to compete with you guys. done to you. Yeah. They've they've yeah, they've made me the not so goodest speaker at times. So yeah, they've 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 uh, caused me to have to throw some explicit tags on some of my shows because you just can't take it anymore, you know. And I know that as a Cardinal fan, you know exactly how I'm feeling. You guys have, you know, kind of been riding a wave and trending upwards since Clingsbury came to town, but historically, you know exactly how I feel. So, yep, you yep. know, I've lived the, it. Yes,
1: been following this team since 1989. Well, there you and go. And I buy the hype train every off season. <laughs> and then I'm let down every year. It was worse when I was a teenager. Sure, I'm like, yeah, yeah. They, they can compete for the Then four and 12. What am I might do it. And you know, they had a guy named Chris Chamber quarterback, he he eventually became good. He, he, he had a year where he took the Falcons to the Super Bowl.
0: Yeah, we had him too for a little while. <laughs>
1: The, the the quarterbacks that the quarter's had in the 90s what was i thinking why did i even why did i even sign up yeah
0: yeah one of my favorite um moments was uh was from a cardinal quarterback and i, I had somewhat of a sentimental attachment to him because i saw him play uh in college against my alma mater western illinois uh that guy's name was josh mccown uh who threw Ooh. the touchdown pass to uh Poole, I think his name was. Oh, yes. You know who who was able to take advantage of the old push out rule, uh, to uh to beat the Vikings and uh, ruin your chance at the number one pick, but keep the Vikings out of the playoffs at the same time. That was that was fun. Well,
1: and I don't think it would have changed history. My head, they got the number one pick. They still would have drafted Larry Fitzgerald.
0: Who was number one that year? Who was number one? Um, was, number number was that two thousand three? Carson Palmer. They wouldn't have taken Carson Palmer. Yeah, no, it was two
1: thousand four. Two thousand four. That, that was Eli. Yeah, it was. It was Eli. Then the offensive lineman. Then Fitz. Then then Rivers.
0: Okay. I thought Fitzgerald was two thousand three. That's where I, I. That's where I was. I so know
1: Anquan. Anquan was drafted in the second round in 03, mm-hmm. and then they got and then they got Fitz in '04. Nice.
0: All right. Yeah, and then I, I loved watching those guys in '08. That was a, and you know Fitzgerald in his postseason that year in 2008, was, unbelievable. So
1: and then, and then the moment when, you know,
0: when he broke free down, down the middle of the field,
1: right. and in my, I'm like, I
0: going to Super Bowl I was right there with you man I remember I was sitting in my buddy's living room he and I are watching this together while his disinterested uh, disinterested wife is sitting at the end of the couch and he and I are living and dying with every play and all that kind of stuff and Fitzgerald catches that slant route and you know breaks it a, turns the corner up the middle and it's like dude he's go- he's gonna score and oh my god are the, the Card- Cardinals gonna do this are they going to oh. win this game is this is gonna happen like nope San Antonio Holmes nope. But here's yeah. here's something else for you, Jess, and I'm sure you feel the same way actually being a fan of the team. No matter how many times I watch that last touchdown, I never see the second foot touch. I never see it. I always see the, the tippy toes, but I never see him actually, never see that second show. foot down.
1: I I have a photo that has the second one down. Oh. It's, it's, I did. For years, I, like, I was like, no, he didn't get it down. Had they grilled it in completely wonderful? No, there is a, I think it was an AP photo, maybe it was a Getty photo. And it is a photo of the play from just behind the line judge's perspective. So he has a clear view of him. He has both toes down, so it's oh. at the beginning of the toe drag, and the both hands on the ball, as opposed to the photos of everything else that showed is when he's starting to fall over the uh, fall out of bounds, and you've got the foot over the foot, so it looks like only one toe is down. Right. So it's just a moment before that he had the toe drag when he first caught the ball, and then then all the photos, and it ruined it ruined my fanhood. but, but <laughs> I, I've accepted that now and And I do share that knowledge when people because they' never like when I show the photo, it's like he he clearly had both feet in, he clearly had both hands on the ball, and the official was in perfect position to make the call. So yeah. sad thing.
0: So you just have to settle for it being one of the one of the better Super Bowls <laughs> that's ever been played, right?
1: one of the one of the more magical endings that
0: was just bad for us. Yeah, 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 it was fun though. Well, Jess, I I appreciate you coming back on, man. Uh, I I'm I'm looking forward to the game on Sunday, especially of uh, Kyler Place. Uh, I look forward to that. Still, don't know. I j- heard Justin Fields practiced today, and Nagy has said. Go ahead.
1: Yeah, I, I, saw, I saw that what he has, and, and I I was listening to Nagy's press conference. He was. Yeah, it doesn't. I don't know. I don't know what to think. He wasn't giving anything up, really. Yeah,
0: he doesn't do that. Um, he went from like in his initial press conference, seeming to be one of those guys that that we could expect tra- some kind of transparency from, to being worse than John Fox and Lovey Smith as far as being cagey <laughs> and you know very closed off from the uh, from like, the oh, media.
1: The, the, the designation will be you know after practice. Like,
0: yeah, on. it's that's it's, it's one wow. of those things. Apparently, anything. That could be any kind of information is somehow a competitive advantage he doesn't want to give the other team. It's like, Matt, they're already better than you, bro, okay? (laughs) You need all the information you can get from them. Trust me. They've got your number, okay? You need to get theirs. So don't worry about what they know about you because the the book on you is short. So
1: And the fact that there's game tape on both Andy and Justin this year. Yeah. The Cardinals are going to be prepared for, because you, there's already game film of what they do when both, when both are out there, they, they had a tougher time against San Francisco. That's that 17, 10 win game. Yeah. Because there literally was no tape uh, of a, of a game plan for Trey Lance. And so that, that was challenging, but you know, if they, they've got game tape on fields, they got game tape on Andy and, and they, they whooped on Andy last year when he was with the Cowboys. So, they they their own a little bit.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it's just it, everything that that Nagy seems to do these days is, you know, off the mark. It's tone deaf. It's just not. He just can't seem to do anything right. I mean, in, in a lot of ways, I feel sorry for him, and I feel bad for him that that this year is going. This way, somebody that we celebrated when he came in after his first year and, you know, going into 2019, we felt he was the reason that some of these players wanted to play for us and and things like that. Chicago was going to become a destination-type place and and whatnot, and then 2019 happened, and, you know, we're rats on a sinking ship now. So, you know, it's like even though the Chicago job is probably going to be quite sought after because of Justin Fields going into 2022 – Uh, and everything. Whoever takes over has got a lot of work to do. So Absolutely. But uh, we'll see what we can uh, muster up for you on Sunday. Maybe we'll make it interesting for a quarter or two before you guys smash our dreams in the second half. Or maybe you can do what the Buccaneers did and just put one behind our ears uh, in the second quarter and just put us out of our misery so we can all just kind of coast the rest of our way through our Sunday afternoon uh, in the second half. So, uh, you know, force five turnovers and put five touchdowns on the board, make it easy on us so that we won't have to sit here and think we have a chance to beat the Cardinals.
1: And, and at least if, if, if Kyler plays, you're losing to Kyler and you don't have to deal with losing to Colt McCoy.
0: Right, just like we, we have to swallow losing to uh, Tyler Hunter.
1: Huntley. Thank
0: you, Tyler Huntley. Thank you for reminding him, reminding me of that guy's name because it sure as hell wasn't Lamar Jackson, that's for sure. <laughs> So
1: I, I know who he is, too, because, you know, he played at Utah. So I, I saw him. I, I, I miss he's a ticket holder for Arizona State for the last 15 years. And so I, I saw Tyler Huntley carve up defenses in the Pac-12 when, when he was at Utah.
0: Man. All right. Well, are you going to be in Chicago? Nah, I
1: don't travel. They, okay. like, I, I, I get credentialed for the games here locally and I could if I traveled, but no one pays – no one has a travel budget for me. Sure. So it would just be on my dime.
0: Right. Okay. All right. Well, uh, enjoy the game on Sunday. I'm sure that you uh, will. Good luck. I'll be rooting for the Cardinals uh, going forward because I'm always kind of a – I always like to see the seas change. You know what I'm saying? If, for me, it would be boring to see Tampa Bay or Green Bay back in the NFC Championship game, you know, I'd like to see the seas change. So if the Cardinals are going to do it, I'd root for them to be the ones to do it.
1: fantastic i don't mind that
0: all right so so tell us where we can uh keep up with you jess where's uh you know where can we find your podcast where can we read your stuff
1: So the site is cardswire.com. It's part of the USA Today NFL Wire, cardswire.usatoday.com. The the podcast is Rise Up C-Red. You can search it up in any podcast platform. It's distributed everywhere. And then if you hit me up on social media, Senor Jess Root on Twitter, S-E-N-O-R, and my name, Jess Root, uh, there on Twitter.
0: All right. All right, Jess, thanks so much uh, for for being on the show, man. And, uh, you know, we'll uh, talk to you again real soon.
1: All right.
0: Thanks, man. As always I want to thank our guest, Jess root for coming on the show. And like I said, you can catch him on the, uh, read the C, the rise up C red podcast. And, uh, you know, uh, he was my first guest when I decided that I wanted to start doing interviews and having guests, uh, on the show. My first, uh, my first show was the, was an NFC West preview in 2015, which turned out to be a very big year, uh, for the Cardinals. The Bruce Arians led, uh, Cardinals made it all the way to the NFC championship game before running into the buzzsaw that was, uh, the Carolina Panthers. And, uh, they they tried to make uh tried to make it interesting at the end, but the Panthers just got too far out in front uh, early on for it to uh, for the Cardinals to be able to uh, do anything about it. But uh, you know he was my first interview uh, subject when I decided to start uh, doing this with the show, and uh, it's always great to uh, have him back on and uh, you know talk to him. It's kind of been like when talking to him in 2015, uh, they were you know on their way up and and you know Bruce Arians. You know, still jealous about that because we wanted Bruce Arians, as, or I did, wanted Bruce Arians as our head coach uh, to go into 2013, and here it was, 2015, we're already on the, the coach that came after the guy we hired instead of Bruce Arians. 2015 was John Fox's first year uh, in Chicago, so that's how well that decision worked out for us, that by the time we actually got to play against Bruce Arians, we were on to the guy after the guy we hired him, hired over him. <sighs> Friggin Phil Emery, man. Son of a bitch. Anyway, <laughs> um, so it's always great to have him on the show. Go ahead and check him out, uh, especially this week if you want to hear uh, any other uh, Bears content. But, you know, uh, like I said, like I was telling him, I just, I- I'm tired of being the guy that's constantly bagging on the team. I- I'm tired of being the glass half empty guy because like you know like when i was telling him at the end it it doesn't really matter what the bears do because they do so many things they're so inconsistent they do so many things wrong even when we have a lead late we can't trust the defense to save it to secure it to to give us the stop that we need in either in order to give us the ball back so we can go for the win or to secure the win that we've already you know secure the lead uh save the lead that we've already given them it's just like we This has been the trend lately. So it's like that's one of the things why I think the Bears were so hell-bent on hanging on to the ball in the Lions game was that if we give the ball back to the Lions, there's a chance they might march down the field and score enough points, you know, score the points that will win them this football game. And wouldn't that just be fantastic for the defense to do it all over again? And, you know, the, the Bear fans were pissed off, man. You know, we we know that we've pretty much we've pretty much blown this window on the defense that that all star all world defense that could have taken us to the Super Bowl in 2018 if not for Cody Parkey. Uh, I mean, granted, it wasn't all on Cody Parkey. It's just that it came down to Cody Parkey, and like every Bear fan was terrified he would he let us down. So you know, 2019 they were the strength of the team, a top five scoring defense. Just we had. Uh, awful offense we're ruining you know our opportunity with with Khalil Mack with with guys like Akeem Hicks and Roquan Smith and 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 whatnot we're ruining that and we're only year one into the Justin Fields uh experiment The, the 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 grade is incomplete uh, right now. And, uh, you know, I've, I've heard several analysts say that you can just go ahead and not pay attention to this rookie year for Justin Fields. Cause his career starts when the bears hire another coach, Matt Nagy's not the guy for Justin Fields. He just doesn't get it. And sadly he, they're right. And, uh, you know, like I, I had an interesting back and forth today, um, on Facebook about, um, you know, one of the commenters said that, you know, and, and I, I mentioned it during the interview was that Andy Dalton should be the guy going forward. He'll get us to the playoffs. And <laughs> saying Andy Dalton can take us to the playoffs is like saying, I've got the winning Powerball numbers uh, guaranteed. You know, I have them right here, right now. That's ridiculous. We don't need to be thinking about the playoffs because even if, God forbid, We played well enough to get the seventh seed and back our way in. Because right now, the Vikings at 5-6 and are the seventh seed in the NFC. We still have two games to go uh, against the Vikings, and we're only a game back uh, against them right now. So even at 4-7, and we're not out of the playoff hunt just yet. Uh, But thinking about the playoffs right now is asinine, because God forbid we can even make it to the playoffs. What do we hope to do? against any other team that makes the playoffs. What do we do well that would be able to earn us a, the, a trip to the next round? Nothing. We saw, we saw this, uh, this story, you know, uh, last year. That's what we did. We went on a six-game losing streak. We beat three really bad football teams that got us enough wins to back our way in to the playoffs last year, and a real football team in the New Orleans Saints – showed us what playoff teams look like and showed us the door. You know, showed us just how much wasted space we were taking in the NFC. It should have been the Cardinals. Maybe they would have been able to do something with their offense and score some points and things like that. But it wasn't. It was us, and we made ourselves look like fools for more than one reason in that Saints game. So we don't deserve to make the playoffs. We're not a, we're not a good enough team. Uh, to be in the playoffs, we might actually stumble our way in if we can get a win here and there. With with how top heavy the NFC is, the, it's almost guaranteed that the seventh seed is going to be an eight and nine, nine and eight team if we're lucky. But it's just, um, it just it would just be a waste of everyone's time, our time, our opponents' time, if the Bears somehow find their way into the playoffs. And then, like I said. And making it to the playoffs would almost guarantee that McCaskey and Phillips and those schmucks would bring back Nagy for another season. Let him finish out his contract. And who the hell wants to sign up for another year of this shit? I know I don't. So, no. No. As much as I want the Bears to win on Sundays, I do not want us making the playoffs. I don't want to give them any reason whatsoever to think about bringing Matt Nagy back. I just even if he hired a brand new offensive coordinator and it doesn't matter. We're done here with Matt Nagy. It's done. He should already be gone. We should already be moving on. Okay? If we weren't playing against the Lions on Thanksgiving, I have I I just there's no way he'd still be our coach. If we didn't have the short week, there's no way. Okay? And on top of that, if we hadn't completely fumbled the whole Matt Nagy is going to be fired after the Thanksgiving game thing from the start. We should have fired him after the Lions game, period. So, no, I don't want us making the playoffs this year. I hate watching us lose on Sunday. At this point, I just want to see us compete. When's the last time you saw us actually do that? To just compete. To to be there for all 60 minutes, not just show up one drive here, one drive there, but to actually, like other good football teams, play well for the entire football game, win or lose. I would just like to see a solid, consistent performance from this team at this point. Even if we lose the game, I'd like to be neck and neck with the Cardinals, going back and forth with them, and then the better team just wins in the end kind of thing. I would be okay with that. I really would after watching the first 11 weeks of this nonsense, that would be a welcome change. So anyway, we'll dive more into this uh, tomorrow on the deep dive uh, preview show. Uh, We'll have our keys to the game news and notes, and uh, we'll see what the injury report looks like after Thursday's practice. So come on back for that. And uh, yeah, so come on back for that. And uh, until then, my name is Larry D and this has been the Bear Stock Underground.